Geek Shock. By all of us. The New part, England, New part England. Part of the Fact Check Andy will be performed by Mushmouth from <laughs> Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids. Can you imagine if we all did Fact Check Andy bit of for the show? The whole show. Just it'd be, it'd be a string of utter nonsense. <laughs> and so and very, callbacks to things that everyone has forgotten. Welcome to you a know, very experimental geek shop. Speaking yeah. of we, Marvel Comics, yes. I went to a Puddles Pity Party. Are, are you being did. Andy, or did yes. you actually go to one, too? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm being Andy. <laughs> and you arrived on an airship. That's right. And wait, wait, wait. Uh, what... what? How how did Puddles arrive? Was he in like a car or was he in like a golf cart or <laughs> a clown golf cart? Ha! Listen, tonight we're almost gonna record the podcast. That's right. So. Well, I still my well, favorite until that shut this thing down. That's always a possibility. My yeah. favorite still is the the river ride where we pass by the house where Mel Blanc's son lives, and he comes out and he'll like do impressions. Did he come out? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Like he's building up to it, and then uh, no, he oh, he we, we, he almost came out. Welcome, folks. It is Geek Shock. Andy remembrances <laughs> number three eighty-seven. I am Master Dargo. Eighties Jeff. Commander K. Fact check. I mean, fact check, Matt. <laughs> yeah, we're here to talk week and geek. Yeah, Andy is not joining us this week. He'll he's, be back next he's on week. assignment Thank God. somewhere. On assignment. He's he's been very uh, vague about where he is right now. So yeah. we'll probably get the story in about a month. Yeah. He'll After remember he at the last minute. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to tell you about. <laughs> no, I, I, I almost forgot to tell you about. I had dinner with Obama. <laughs> 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 almost had dinner with Hillary. <laughs> yeah. Lock her up. <laughs> you just, wow. That was almost like a nervous spasm. <laughs> How long you been sitting on that one, Matt? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait till I had they it say chambered and ready to go. Just no, I'm not a Trump supporter. Shut up, everybody. <laughs> uh, before we go in, uh, for the Geek Shock Book Club, the silence is broken. We are now talking I Hate Fairyland by Scotty Young. And we're talking Old Man Logan by Mark Wade, his uh, run on the regular Wolverine series. Miller. So. Sorry, you're right. I, wow, I said Mark Wade and I. Mark Miller, thank you for uh, a timely correction. So join us there if you've uh, read it. If you haven't, uh, read it and then join us when you are able. Wait, on Reddit? No, we don't do Reddit. 4chan here, boy. <laughs> you are just feeling it tonight, aren't you? It's the caffeine, isn't it? Well, I'm on my third apple sweet tea, so. Yep. That's, that's only your third? Yeah. I'm but I had a Newcastle before that. Oh, okay. oh that's a weird so, combo. Alcohol and yeah. caffeine. He's ready to rock. <laughs> From the greatest barbecue joint in Las Vegas. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> Gentlemen. <Memphis> barbecue. <laughs> what geeky things you do this week? Two things. Two things. Mm, Almost you, you three pick, things. pick one. Oh, don't. You <laughs> three, nothing. There is no third uh, thing. Saturday night, I went to see Journey. Amazing ah, show. Nice. At the joint. At the joint. And... Uh, Pineda, uh, the little Filipino guy that now yes. sings for that journey. Yes, sounds exactly like Steve Perry. Uh, he does. It's uh, it quite. It's scary, actually. Did you see the documentary on Netflix about his uh, joining the band? No, I didn't. Oh, I know he was. I saw it on. I think I saw part of it on YouTube. I know he was homeless, wasn't he? No, at one point. Well, maybe some point in his life, but not during Before, that time. Before yeah. he, he was in a cover band 
in his country, and they saw him on YouTube in that cover band. Okay. And see, what's amazing is, yes, he does sound like Steve Perry, but when you see the footage of him in this cover band, he sounds like every single singer he is singing. When yeah. you're singing Bon Jovi, he sounds like Bon Jovi. Okay, it's, so he's just got it's one of those. A, yeah, he's a chameleon. Yeah. Okay. And the other thing I did was, obviously, Guardians. So yep. uh, you probably haven't seen it because you're Todd. That is yep. correct, sir. It's tr- it's true. I did see it. I saw it Sunday night. Okay. And right. Kay saw it. So, gentlemen, uh, spoiler-free discussion. What did you think? I liked it a lot. The part where... <laughs> I will say this. My ego. Uh, no, oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the, the, the end of Doctor Strange, the color palette of that movie is Guardians pretty much stem to stern. Oh, yeah. that, that is one of the ah, things I really love about that movie. Nice. It, is, it is that four-color saturated comic. Uh, yeah, four-color saturated color. Yeah. From 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 beginning to end, it is just one of the most colorful, beautiful looking movies. And this one, you really do have to sit all the way through the credits. I mean, not, there, not, yeah, not an option. Spoiler: there, yeah. There's five. Yeah, there's there's scenes, there's like five. So. There's five stingers in there. Five. That's like good, that's a good warning. And plus, the actual credits themselves are entertaining as hell. Oh, okay. So, and I don't I don't want to be spoilery and tell you why, but yeah, I think you yeah. said enough. That yeah, it's fine. Watch the credits. Uh, watch through the credits. Absolutely. I mean, it's a superhero movie. What superhero movie don't I sit through credits? No, I yeah, but I'm just like. Sometimes people think, oh, okay, there's the stinger, and then they get sure. up and leave. I, I sat through Logan at the end. So, the- Well, in my yeah. particular theater, um, after I think the first, after like the third stinger, uh, a lot of people got up and left, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I think you're going to regret it. And sure enough, the very end. Like, some of them, they got over to the exit aisle, and another one happened, and they're like, oh, oh. So they stood yeah. over there and waited. I and- think I did that to uh, Barry, in fact, because he asked me, is there uh, an end, end, end credits? Do, should we stay to the very end? And I honestly couldn't remember, because there's so goddamn many of them. Yeah. So I was like, uh... And then a couple hours later, he's like, aha, I knew blankety blank was in there, blankety blank. And I was like, oh, that's the credit bit I missed at the end. And he's like, no, no, I went, oh, that's the one. And he's like, I'm talking about the scene, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no, no, no. At the very end of the credits, there's there, there's that stinger. And he never responded to me. So I, <laughs> I might have. Uh, I think he's still staring at his phone. Yeah. <laughs> in, in dumb silence. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> Jesus, guys. Yeah, Marvel movie especially. Stay for everything. In my right. theater, people were like, they're leaving right after the first one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just after the movie, who are you stay. guys kidding? Like, yeah, you know there's more. Yeah, why are you going? Such noobs. <laughs> Marvel noobs. You can tell because they leave early. But yeah, it's it is so gloriously goofy. I can hardly wait yeah. to talk about it next week. There's one scene. I don't know if Matt would know, but but there's one scene that happens that you just have to start laughing because it is so silly, goofy. Um, and, and, uh, and it's also very heartfelt. Yeah. There's the, one of the, one of the most, it, it, it's also goofy, but it is actually tremendously heartfelt scene, um, that involves, uh, Mantis and, uh, and I'm referring to this cause of trailers, Mantis and Drax. 
but I mean, they, <laughs> they, you know, yeah, but know but there there about. there is, it's it's it ah, it's James Gunn. You just Gunn's want great. You just want to fucking do a movie with this guy because yeah. it is just great. Well, I, I, that's just that's great. why the whole cast came back. I mean, other than that, they were under contract, but they as soon as Gunn announced that he was going to write and direct the next movie, they were all on board. You know, and Batista, so he's so got fun. some acting chops. He yeah. has gotten he has got some so much chops. better. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I was just going to say the I was, same thing. I was impressed with him in the first yeah. movie because most most pro wrestlers, despite the fact that they're performers, can't do it. And they I've seen him in a couple other movies, and I was just like, eh. Yeah. So when, so when I remember him being announced for Guardians of the Galaxy, I was like, well, you know, maybe this is a role that will be coutured for him. Right. And... Clearly, in the first Guardians, they he was good in that. They one. had a good the blend of yeah, you know good. utilizing his talents mm-hmm. as well as still trying to adapt the character for the screen. But this time around, you're absolutely right. He just he's, he's so totally much knocked better. it out of the park. He's so much, so much better. better. And yeah. he didn't do like the the Rock thing. So the Rock, he's got a move called the Rock Bottom. Yeah, his very first movie, he does the Rock Bottom, <laughs> and I was like, really? <laughs> in the theater. I was well, like, really? To be, and I didn't to be see fair, no power bombs or that, anything from Drax. That was so. being produced by, you know, uh, what's his name from WWE. So a lot of the early rock films, yes, he uh, had to do under contract some of those mm. WWE moves for his character. But, great, great use of Yondu. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Um, there yeah, are, I wasn't sure how they were going to fit him in. Oh, did this, they ever? But, oh my God! Did yeah. they ever? It was oh, it's just so cool. And uh, for people like me who remember the original, original Guardians of the Galaxy, they do little teeny tiny touch um, it, so cameos. You there is he part of the Guardians, like the original, original? Who Yondu? Yondu? Yondu is part of the team now. Now in the original, he's an Alpha Centauri native, and uh, okay. he actually shoots the arrow with a bow. And then he does the whistle to control its flight. Um, it's really funny. The very first time they show that and introduce it, Yondu and Vance Astro are close friends. Because Vance gets lost in time and space <laughs> and then lands on Alpha Centauri where the natives take care of him. And so they do this, and it's, it's like a popular motif with a lot of war movies. They've been captured by the evil aliens. They're being held captive. And Vance Astro and Yondu start hurling insults at each other, convincing the captors that Astro would like nothing better than to kill Yondu with his own bow and arrow. Wouldn't that be ironic? So Astro has the bow and arrow, and he's like, you can kiss your fin head goodbye, and he shoots it, and then Yondu and just kills all the evil aliens, and they escape, which is an old war movie cliche. It's very, very funny. But... Um, yeah, they're, they're, uh, the various members of the, of the original Guardians are mentioned by name and shown. So it's, it's actually pretty cool. And, and yeah, goddamn, it's just... Now, I, I wanted to get you awesome. guys' opinion. I don't get spoilery here, so keep it... I'm, I'm not going to get spoilery, okay, sorry. <laughs> just making sure that you... Yeah, what? <laughs> spoilers, but not spoilers. So... One of the reviews that I had read or started to read and then went back and read after I saw the film was that saying that that this movie suffers from having too much drama that wasn't in the first one. And I'm like, I don't agree with that because it felt like 
you know, the movie physically takes place three years after the first one, this particular film. So what do you, what did you guys think? Did you think that there was the right amount of drama in there? Cause it yeah. seems like to me, that's going to happen because they've had three years to get to know each other and travel together. So they're now yeah. that much more of a quote unquote family unit. So they're always bickering, but they have more say personal bickers to, you know, poke at each I other with. I didn't think that was bad at all. I think that it, I don't know. I, I felt like it was, it was just I, the right amount. I thought of, it was well handled. Yeah. I thought it was a good balance between the drama and like the humor. The bit you see in the trailer with yeah. Drax and yes. uh, uh, Peter Quill with yeah. the whole, you know, you need to you need to loosen up or whatever the fuck he's saying. That shortest stuff. That 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 was that was all over the place, yes. But I I I felt that it was nicely balanced. You need to find someone who is as pathetic as you yeah, are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the um uh, the half and the bad guys loved it. And you know, anyone who listens to the show knows I'm hard on them right. whenever they hack on something. Uh, and they loved it. And one of the things they talked about was they felt it was tonally balanced. It would hit yeah. its serious notes and its comedy notes. One criticism they have that I kind of agree with is Gunn did a hell of a lot of serious, 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 in with joke. And just a little little kind of te- one-liner teaser to kind of undercut the serious moment. Yeah. And he, that did happen a lot. But well, I mean, but that's I mean, just speaking from my own experience, like with my family, we do we used to do that a lot. Sure. I mean, you know, it's like sure. when the move when the moment is getting way too tense, somebody will crack that inappropriate joke to kind of break the tension in the room. And, you know, my sisters don't always appreciate it, but my dad and I typically have a good laugh about was it, it you? later on. <laughs> I, I, I will not me. deny that I have I have been guilty of doing that more than a yeah. few times. But a lot of times it's either my dad or myself, and and what they don't get is they do the same thing that they get mad at us about. So I don't know. But, I stopped. Uh, I stopped reading critics' reviews on movies nowadays. Well, I just, do too. I just it it was just something that I was like curious about. And, it's boring. It's nice that you can actually. I mean, like on YouTube, you can avoid it because it'll pop up in the recommendations. Yeah. Because if you watch enough Marvel anything and watch enough movie stuff. Um, like movies with Mikey or something. YouTube will just start throwing up every cheap reviewer in the book. Yeah. And there are tons of that coming up in my recommendations. And I glide right over them because it's like, you know what? I don't even want to hear it. Was it? I'm just trying to remember which movie it was that all the critics just dumped on. But the audience reviews is like, loved it. Awesome. Was it Mad Max? No. No, 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 no. no, no, no. That one critics. Actually, that, that's kind of user, universally loved except yeah. Yeah, for yeah, 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 one guy. One. I'm just trying to think yeah. of what... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to think of what movie it maybe was it Rogue One maybe uh, one of them that just critics just absolutely hated and we're all in agreement it was like one of the best movies that we saw at that time I just don't remember what movie that was, that was so obviously it wasn't thing. that that good then if I can't remember what it was <laughs> yeah really we were all high on something <laughs> speaking of good movie critic um, I do enjoy movie Bob and his work Bob uh, he put together a really good two part because every now and then he'll throw out a a thought experiment on how to fix X series, whatever it is. Okay. Uh, this time he did a two-parter on how to properly introduce the Fantastic Four to the MCU. Ooh. Okay. And his idea is spot on. Who is this? What? Movie, Movie Bob. Bob. Movie Bob. He's, Bob. He's, uh, he's got his own YouTube you... channel. He does some things for other, other uh, channels as well. But 
Can you condense it? Movie like bomb? What? No, 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 no. I, re- I really can't. It's it's, <laughs> and I also don't want to. Okay. Like like it's it's almost like spoiler. Yeah, it really is because when I was listening to the whole thing, it was like you just explained the Fantastic Four movie. I I really wanted to see and didn't know I did. <laughs> like you see the thing fly by in Avengers: Infinity War and, and clobbering time in this one scene. <laughs> but it's a good it job is. of setting up its own <laughs> its own aesthetic. How to and, fix Fantastic Four? Yeah. He just did that. Yeah, it's his, it's his brand new one. Oh okay, because there's did oh the two parter because yeah. Bob we. Trust we got the one week ago as well. Yeah. Oh, and Bob right. we trust is the... Oh, I like this too. He has the um, Really That Good series. Yes. Where he talks about movies that are... Okay, cool. And those are usually about a half hour or longer, so... Talk All about right. that movies that really are justified in the praise that they get. That's cool. I oh, s- and I, I... Just on the side note, I love the Stan Lee cameo because that's exactly what I was thinking about the whole, like with his appearance and all the different things. That I was, was the like, thing with, that was the thing with Barry. Was it? That was the thing with Barry. Yeah. But that was in the middle of the film. It wasn't like it was after it, Well, there, there was that one after. Yes. That's the one he missed. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I was just like, I knew it. <laughs> that was, <laughs> it was one it, of those was, moments. That was, that was a fun one. That was, wouldn't, wouldn't that be, man. There you go. That that what they're talking about is the last one. So just so you know. Yeah. 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 You're you're you you're hanging all the way for the end of that one. Yeah. There's two Stanley cameos. Somehow I think I'll know when I reach the last one. Yeah. Just feeling. Usually the lights will come up. Yeah. Something. Exactly. <laughs> Get the fuck out of my theater. I need to clean. God yeah. damn it. Now there's one more. It's ten minutes <laughs> after the credits are done. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> Only the key people cleaning the theater get to see it. <laughs> That'd we gotta, like, we that, gotta make would, a movie just so we can do that. That would be like in Deadpool. Like it's like, hey, everybody went home. Why are you still cleaning? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's a character talking to the guy with the broom. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, look, huh? oh, your job must suck. Look at you down there. <laughs> Ala Ferris Bueller's just mm-hmm. looking at him, going, "Everyone's left, and it's just you and me. And you're you're popping up the sweeping up the popcorn, and, and I'm just gonna watch you." Just gonna watch you. <laughs> hey, you missed that drink over there. Get it. <laughs> don't miss that. Ba- don't miss that bag of Skittles over there. Wait, those aren't Skittles. What else you do, guys? That's all I did. That's all you did. You did. That's, that's, that's good. You never do anything. Yeah. Well, I almost. I know I did do this. <laughs> so I did watch the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction uh, ceremony that was on HBO this this weekend. Happy with it? That was pretty. Yeah. In fact, it was one of the, the the few that I've watched all the way through. Without and I fast didn't, forwarding bits? Without, I only fast forwarded a couple of bits. And uh, really, it was just a matter of like, okay, I'm getting bored with this. But, you know, as far as like all the presentations and everything, I watched all of those. Hmm. Uh, who was it? It was Journey. Who else? Uh, let's see. You had uh, Electric Light Orchestra. You had Journey. With uh, Steve Perry, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was that. That's yeah. what I was just going to bring up because you you mentioned uh, Journey, and that was one of those bizarre moments where like, so Steve Perry's up there, and he's talking, and he's praising everybody in the band, including the oh, the kid that fucking Filipino guy. No, he actually, me. I know. son of a bitch, I'm coming back to the band. That was the weird thing. He actually <laughs> praised him, and he says, "This guy gets up here and sings his heart out every night, and I love him." And I'm sitting there going, "I'm like you." Do? That's classy. So yeah, what and does he what does he have to lose by being like that? I guess yeah. no, exactly. And then it's not usually like he can sing it anymore. So when they go from, oh, they can yeah. physically. Yeah, that is but true. usually that, no. that that's what I was wondering because usually they go from the presentation to the performance, 
and the performance Perry didn't join them. So yeah. I was like, yeah, he's had a few node surgeries. So yeah, yeah, he just he can't singing that high wrecks your voice. Right. So uh, the lead singer of uh, Lincoln Park. Yeah. Uh, but yes was also inducted. Um, Ooh, I didn't Tupac know. Shakur. Hmm. Uh, Pearl so he Jam. came out and goes, I'm not dead, guys. Hey. <laughs> is, yeah. I've been I, waiting for this moment. <laughs> I'm trying to think of it. I forgot. <laughs> West Side. <laughs> right. <laughs> Biggie Smalls. Hey, man. And then he gets shot. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, oh, no, it was, it, it, was, it was a lot of fun. It was very enjoyable. On YouTube, I discovered another reviewer dude. Um, I think it's going to be pronounced Georg. It's, a, it's George without the final E. Okay. So G O G E O R G Rockall Schmidt. Whoa. Actually, it's a, that's a hyphenated name, and it's pretty. I'm going to let him say he's German. Pretty, uh, pretty badass. Actually, he's he's British. He at least ah. has a British accent. Georg. He, um, what he has is uh, one of, one of his series is how the blank movies changed, and so he'll discuss a franchise like Die Hard or Terminator. And he'll go through each movie in about like a 15 to 25 minute uh, clip talking about how the franchise has evolved in terms of tone, uh, plot structure, how they deal with certain issues and stuff like that. And it actually can be informative and interesting. Oh, sounds really good. He, he taught, in many ways, he talks about, you know, the, 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 the um, progression of sequels, you know, as they run through a franchise. He also talks about film in general. He has how H.P. Lovecraft influenced films. And so he talks about H.P. Lovecraft direct influence on cinema. And then he talks about what he would call... Is this a guy that sits in front of a lava lamp? There's a lava lamp in I, I, I saw his first one just like a couple nights ago. Yeah, yeah. We probably have the same recommendation thing do. from uh, YouTube. No, yeah, you don't have as many teen dramas pop up in your uh, no. recommendations. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Uh, but CW um, series, yeah. yeah, he's uh, he's actually very interesting. Um, if it if his he has just enough energy to keep you interested, but if it was longer, you would kind of tune out and you'd be like, oh fuck this, because you know some he doesn't of those... do a lot of cutaways. No, 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 no. He he doesn't do a lot of cutaways. His jump cuts are very subtle. I really, in fact, I like that with the lava lamp. In the foreground, because he 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 posts that in, so the lava lamp doesn't jump cut right. while he's you know doing the little while his head will you know shift over to the side real quick. But he's he does an interesting uh, an interesting review of uh, of movies. He talks about uh, the recent Ghostbusters, what he felt its problems were. And, you know, comments on the whole brouhaha behind it and everything and stuff like that. So he can actually do an interesting uh, discussion of movies. Hmm. So that's a recent discovery. Well, I had some extra days off this weekend. Uh, so I went to the Best of the West. No, 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 hold on. So you finished Luke Cage? No. I went to the Best <laughs> of the West, which is a model building expo and competition here in Las Vegas. Happens every year. First time I went, and I got to see how real people do it because everything in there is amazing. There was only one that I'm like, ah, I can do better than that. The rest of them, I'm like, ain't no way I can do better than this. Ain't no way. <laughs> but uh, it, it was, it's fairly small. So much so that I'm tempted to maybe go in that direction to start building models to enter in the contest just because there's not many people entering. So, uh -huh. uh -huh. Big fish, little pond. Yes, that's exactly what I'm thinking. 
But uh, you can but beat the, that one guy. Yeah, that one guy got him nailed. The other five, I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to be in sixth place. But at least I won't be seventh. That's right. So that's true. What's so, that song? Six out of seven ain't bad. Yeah, that's know? the one. Yeah, they remember, by, they remember by, first. By they only remember first and last place. That's it. So you're in the mix in the middle there. Oh wow! Destroy his <laughs> dreams. <laughs> Nobody remembers the middle guys. Yeah. No. <laughs> but it just so happened that was also uh, free comic book day. So that I spent ah. the rest of the afternoon going from toy shop to comic shop. Yeah, very nice. Just, uh, just saying, what's going on in here, guys? What's uh, There's so much on sale that I had to really just rein myself yeah. in. Yeah. And I, even then, I was not very I successful. went to Ralph's. It was chaos. Really? It was yeah. just chaos. Oh, it was crowded. I got a bongo uh, just in case Paul... You know, had his usual, I can't make it. And then I texted him and he's like, oh, I made it. And then Ralph walked up to me and was like, yeah, Paul was here 20 minutes ago. And I'm like, fine. Now I've got a bongo. But they had a <laughs> bongo. A, uh, that's the Simpsons oh, comic okay. uh, that they always put out. Gotcha. Um, I was not impressed with a lot of the free comic releases, but there were a handful I got. There was an NCAL. A Moebius uh, comic. There was World's Greatest Cartoonist. Did you see that I didn't one? See that one. I still haven't cracked that one up, uh, but it's just it's got the World's Greatest Cartoonist in it. So I haven't even really looked in it in depth, but it caught my eye. Um, and then there were a couple others. I don't think I picked up any of the Marvel or DC free None comics because I like Breeze. I took a breeze through their Secret Empire, mm-hmm. and you know what? I just I'm not filled with the hate that a lot of people have for the whole Cap Hydra thing. Sure. But at the same time, it has no weight for me. Nothing about it grabs me. the same way. I'd I'd be like, "Uh, let's see how the story plays out. I'm I'm, I'm not offended by it in any way. And I'm a huge Cap fan. Yeah, but nothing grabs me. But, you know. Why haven't they already revealed that he's been brainwashed? No, no, it's not brainwashed. The Cosmic Cube... Yeah, a changed reality. Oh, okay. so that he so has get... effectively always been an agent of Hydra, and you know it's going to get reversed. You know yeah, it'll all be sure. fixed. But there's the story. To me, it's a thought experiment. Yeah. Why does it matter so much? He's been. He's been. I think uh, too many people are equating it to what's happening politically in this world uh, okay. right now, and so like he's seventy five years of Boy Scout. This. So a lot. Of, a lot of it is. It. A lot of it is that people are going. Uh, don't we? Th- don't you think we have enough Nazi problems without making uh, Captain right. America? Right, you're a disrespecting Nazi? a great symbol, and it's really funny because then people, how you know how the creator would feel about this, and then people would post the panels where Cap is saluting Hitler because he was brainwashed by Red Skull mm-hmm. and shit like that, and faking it so he could punch Hitler in the face, and it, it, you know, Stan Lee, who didn't create Cap but has certainly written a lot of Cap, has said. Oh, it, it's it's crazy. It's lunacy. It's absolutely great idea. <laughs> you know, yeah, he, anything that shakes up convention for a little while, why not? Sure, and it's going to reset. You yeah. know, it's going to reset. And I just, I, I still am mystified by yeah, this. It's just like the when hate. they killed off Superman. You knew they were going to bring him back eventually. I mean, and a lot of people didn't. I yeah. still remember the sheer number of fanboys who were like, "Oh, good." I couldn't stand him. Glad he's gone. And it's like, dude, you, you're going to be disappointed in a couple months. It's not my favorite character, but, you know, he's kind of necessary to that universe. His character's dumb. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> Superman, no. this character that they're saying? Yeah. Oh, oh he's just dumb. throwing a bomb yeah. towards yeah. Professor. Yeah, Biggs. that's exactly what's going on here. <laughs> he wants to hear the screaming from Southern California. <laughs> no, seriously, that character is stupid. <laughs> what? <laughs> I can hear it. You're now. right. He'll never stand the test of time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's got no legs. No legs. Well, he only has four powers. I mean, oh, wait. Four times to the carry. Yeah, really. Yeah, four I, to I, the I four it. squared. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, what uh, was there? Oh, uh, a, well, I don't think it was an even better Thor Ragnarok trailer with Guardians. Oh, it's I had the, the same, same one. I had the same one in yeah. my. But it, it, yeah. boy, am I getting excited for that one? That one's looking really, really awesome. Um, so, the Kingsman. I had that one. Oh, oh, See, oh, I didn't have that I one. I saw that one. I saw that one. Yeah. That'll be fun when that finally comes and then out. And Star Wars. Did you have Star Wars? No. Where did I you go? Like the dollar? I went to, yeah, no, really. I went to Galaxy. <laughs> wow. Um, okay. I Galaxy had, didn't yeah. have those? Wow. What I did I was they actually, That's I, where I went. I was actually amazed because we only had like, I think, three trailers in, in leading up to uh, Guardian starting. I mean, it, it started right away. I was shocked because usually I got like 20, 25 minutes worth of trailers. For a, for a movie, for that release caliber, I, they I usually I don't know them. if it just was because it was 11.15 on a Sunday night, but uh, <laughs> maybe, oh, they were, maybe they were just, you know, it's like, well, it's going to be three and a, two and a half hours anyway. The kids cleaning yeah. up the theater yeah. are like, let's just fast forward through <laughs> these parts. I want to go yeah, home. There might be something to that. Might fact, be something to that. It was funny when I was walking in. They're like going to see Guardians, and I'm like, yeah. They're like, just kidding. It's the only film we're seating for right now, anyway, because it was literally the last film they were showing for that night. So, how many people in your theater? Uh, there was only a handful. Uh, so parking was ample. Maybe fifteen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, parking was ample. Thank you. Chambered and locked. That one. <laughs> click click boom. So I celebrated <laughs> the end of Free Comic Book Day by sitting at home watching three movies. What? Yes, yeah. he did. Three movies? A- X-Men Apocalypse. Finally saw it. Yeah. Ah, what did you think about it? Not as bad as everyone's trying to tell me it they is. usually yeah, are. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, exactly. I've, I've definitely enjoyed it more than Days of Future Past. So. Oh, yeah. wow. Really? Uh, then I watched Knights of Bad Astem. Yep. Oh, which, I haven't watched that yet. Which is a... Cute little film. It's a, a clever LARP comedy yeah. ruined by a dumb supernatural slasher film. Oh, Spoiler man. alert! <laughs> no, come on. Uh, you know what you get how was Dinklage? Dinklage is, is is a great larper in that. In, in fact, when it when it goes through larp comedy, that movie shines. The first third is great. <laughs> I just watched that stupid space pants bit again today. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it kills me because like he just like you said, Kirsten, he committed he to that totally. thing all the way. That and is why just, you laugh. And that's why it's so goddamn funny. The concept funny. is stupid. Everything about it is stupid, but you're sitting there going, holy shit, Dinklage is totally doing this. Because even everyone else in the skit is really not, Yeah, they're not that funny. But, but you know, like when they're having their little conversation and he pops up right next to them yeah. and he's, I say space, you say pants, space, <laughs> space pants. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Finally, and he does. finally he gets totally, them to draw drawn in. Totally and, embraces it. And then Gwen Stefani coming out at the end, but uh, <sighs> but yeah, it just it's it's hilarious how solidly he commits to that. I mean, yeah. doing doing the robot dance and just I, oh, and he's, that's when I was like, holy crap, because he just does that stupid dance, 
and you're just like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, he's totally di- he totally dived into this. It's amazing. And that's when you just start losing your shit and laughing. Yeah. Because it's like, wow, he's embraced it. And your third one? Circle. <laughs> Thanks for bringing it around. Good, good, uh, circle, hey, good Circle, yeah. he brought it around. Yeah. Wow, layers on layers. Uh, circle is one of my favorite kind of movies. You could really only watch these movies once. And if you watch them again, it's basically too dissected at that point. Okay. Because it's, it's a puzzle movie. It's like Cube or Primer. Okay. And that one movie I really enjoyed and I can't remember the name of. But, Cube uh, is a good movie. But oh. Circle uh, was the movie I was expecting to watch and found it on my, my list, which I never go through. And the idea is there are 50 people in the room in a circle. And every two minutes, one of them dies. And soon they figure out they're, they're the ones actually controlling it. And the whole idea in the puzzle movie, Memento is a puzzle movie, that uh, once you get to the end, it's a great journey all the way through. So they're like, all right, we're in a circle. People are dying. Let's make a square. Shit, people are still dying. <laughs> no, circle gets a square. They're all in their own <laughs> yeah. circle. In this uh, circle. And if they oh, step out of it, they're okay. automatically killed. Okay. All right. So, so you can sacrifice yourself if you want. You can just... Buy somebody two minutes. All right, I'm out of here. But the fact that the movie goes, it's every two minutes, the whole thing happens in real time, it's, it's impressive to watch. Oh, I like those. When they, when they, when they structure them right and uh, it, when it's well done. Yeah, yeah. It's done well. So they just like fall over dead? There's, there's a little dome in the center that zaps them with electricity and they're dead immediately. Uh, okay. Wow. So... I highly recommend it. Find it. What it's on nerve, Netflix. Circle. Nerve-wracking two minutes, that must be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's impressive from getting to end that how decisions are made through that. Anything else, gentlemen? I did watch a lot of Star Wars this weekend while I was sick. They played uh, on TNT. Uh, they ran, like, the entire entirety of the six films, although I pretty much just watched the four, five, and six. But, Imagine uh, that. I know, Color right? me surprised. I know, right? <laughs> Just still gets me how much that CG takes you right out of the film. The CG add-in stuff. Especially in Jedi with the stupid beak on fucking Sarlacc. Just oh, that's what it gets you? And all the stuff it does, that's, that's what gets you? That, I think that's like the the cherry on top of the shit Sunday. That one didn't bother me so much. That I, I don't know why it just really bothers me. Really it, not necessary. It's, but it's it, totally unnecessary. In fact, it kind of kills the vagina dentata look of the yeah. Sarlacc. Sure. And plus that added yeah. uh, that the beak makes when they added that in it just for it me, made no sense. For me, what does it is in Star Wars mm-hmm. the rocks in the foreground where R two is hiding. Oh yeah, which was clearly a sop to three D. You know, we'll, we'll add this in because then when we'll make it three D, it'll be awesome. And. That, that it it it's just so jarring and so, oof. Although something that I I I don't know why I never noticed it before, is the the scale difference between the uh, the sand crawler uh, the Jawa sand sand crawler when they do the close ups with the Jawas in front, the size of the treads, and then when they do the wide shot of the actually moving, there's a total disparity in the scale. And I just it never it never struck me before. I'm like, wait a minute, that's way off. That's a model. <laughs> no, I mean it just like it's you know you can tell as a model, obviously, but just the scale between the 
Sure. The the onset version, you know, the partial build versus the model. Just and you're like, up. I could have built a better model than that. Except for that one guy. Except for that one guy. Except that one guy. Yeah, the yeah, one yeah, guy no. can do better than the rest of them that are going to run circles around <laughs> me. <laughs> All Only right, for two Dylan. minutes, running circles around you. Ah, oh, wow. He, he brought it back. round again. <laughs> Holy crap. You go to give him that one. We didn't do any news last week. So, no, nope, we didn't. <laughs> so we're going to do some news this week. All right, what's the so news? The news is news you don't give a shit about. Uh, no emails either to palate cleanse. Uh, we have emails, but I'm going to news. KFC. I uh, don't give a shit. Oh, yes. Yes, the uh, the chicken people. Yep. Released an ebook on Amazon called Tender Wings of Desire. And the cover art features a Fabio-esque Colonel Sanders carrying a woman in the same style as a Harlequin mo- romance. The story is filled with uh, ste- uh, the story is a steamy love story peppered with chicken cliches. Uh, it gets worse. The free ebook actually costs ninety-nine cents if you're not a Kindle Unlimited subscriber. Uh, there may have been may have been a brief point on release where it was available for free, but as of now, the price is ninety-nine cents. But it gets worse. KFC acknowledges that this part, this story, is part of its Mother's Day promotion, as Mother's Day weekend is a high sales date for the chain. Uh, presumably, it's for all the moms who were given the gift of not having to cook a meal after their husbands swung through the drive-thru. <laughs> uh, speaking of husbands bearing meh gifts, the storyline itself is a bit unconventional for Mother's Day as it features a female protagonist who is trapped in and escapes from a loveless marriage. Now, for the true insult, a few romance fans who took the time to read and review have some scathing comments, uh, largely speaking for the fact that 54% of fiction book sales are in the romance category. Uh. Some call it the results of... Uh, Colonel Sanders fanfic contest. Others called it uh, awkward and dry. Imagine that. Uh, one reviewer uh, s- stated that KFC had, quote, golden opportunity here and they totally blew it, unquote, uh, referring to the complete miss when it comes to parody. Uh, yet another group who got swept under the bus of KFC's insult to literature, and that's the authors themselves. So the bulk of the one-star reviews spoke to the fact that KFC had a serious opportunity here to bring in a capable, fun romance author and instead employed what seemed like somebody's unemployed nephew. Uh, the, re- uh, the writing was bemoaned as horrible. Reviewers spoke up to the fact that KFC certainly had the means to pay for quality writing and someone who knew the craft. So KFC writes horrible romance novel for Mother's Day. 3.7 out of 5 stars of 93 customer reviews. That's actually higher than I'd expect. Uh, yeah. 3.7. Yesterday it was at like four point five. So you you got the story byline. Uh, yeah. You want Since me to read that it? Page? Yeah, I want to. Sure. I want to know uh, Wings of Desire. And, I want to know it's it's. Do it in your sexiest yeah. voice. Yeah, get Jeff. sexy, Jeff. Get sexy. Come on. When Lady Madeline Parker runs away from the Parker Manor and I'm, a loveless betrothal, she finally feels like she is in control of her life. But what happens when she realizes she can't control how she feels? Getting sweaty. When she finds herself swept into the arms of Harland, a handsome sailor with a mysterious past, Madeline realizes she must choose between a life of order and a man of passion. Couldn't have been like a chicken guy or a fry cook? or Can love overcome lies? What happens in the embrace of destiny on the tender wings of desire? Eye moist. Oh, my. (laughs) 
Hey baby, you want that? Uh, actually, yesterday original? it was free. Like like it wasn't just for Kindle Unlimited. Now it actually just like your article said, it's ninety nine cents um, or free with Kindle Unlimited. Ooh, you can download a sample. Nah. <laughs> now I'm curious. Download a sample. All right. And, and at read the, now. At, yeah. the, at the end, I want to read a little oh, you bit want, of it. You want yeah. it at the end? Okay. Yeah, we're going to read a little bit of the Wings of Desire at the end. Don't let me forget. I'll, I'll, I'll absolutely forget. Oh, I won't let you forget. Thank Do you. I have to read it in the same voice? I'll read yes. it. Yes. Okay. Read it. We all read a chunk Ooh, of it. Ooh, I like that idea. Oh. I'll pass it around and we like, uh, pass it around pass like around the cheap whore it, it around. is. <laughs> First we'll get naked, then we'll pass it around. Whoa! Yeah. yeah. I'm already naked. <laughs> well, we just want to join where you're already Yeah, yeah. then we'll catch <laughs> okay. up to you. All right. News you don't give a shit about. Red light, green light warned you it was coming. Paramount Television and Anonymous Content have optioned 11 books from Anne Rice's The Vampire Chronicles to develop as a TV show. Rice's son, Chris, is attached to write and executive produce. Rice and Anonymous Contents' David Cantor and Steve Golan will be producing. Much like the books, the series is expected to follow the ageless vampireless Stott as he trots around the globe. The series has previously shown up on the big screen, most notably with Tom Cruise in the Lestat role in 94's Interview with a Vampire. I like and, that. Uh, that, was, that one was good. That was, a good. that was a surprisingly good movie. Yeah, yeah. 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 Him and Pritt. I was just... Pritt. That! Pritt. Pritt. That Pitt. was my introduction to Brad Pitt. Well, you see, that's because that was in a time where it wasn't oversaturated with vampires. Right, that's true. You had all the old Dracula shit, and then nothing, and then this. So. But it was that whole Michael Keaton and Batman moment where it was like, oh, Tom Cruise, he can't pull this off. And, yeah, exactly. Well, he that certainly was, pulled it off. Cruise, are you out of your mind? But then it was really Kristen Dunst who really yeah. knocked it out of the park. Oh, yeah, she was, my God. As Claudia, she was absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah, she was and of course, there was the uh, 2002's Queen of the Damned with Stuart Townsend, uh, which was terrible. Yeah, I never saw it. I didn't care to see it. Yeah, I, I caught Damned. it on HBO one night, and I was just like, "No, this is this is just bad." Is that the Dust Till Dawn spinoff type thing or whatever? The D- Queen of the Damned? No, no, no. It's it's the sequel Aliyah. to. Uh, okay, I'm thinking Selma Hayek for some reason. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Two reasons why I'm thinking so <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> no word on which network might eventually pick this up, but judging by the studios involved, a premium cable network looks to be at the likely landing place. Cinemax. That would make a lot of sense. <laughs> you mean Skinemax? News you don't give a shit about. Ah. More. Roseanne is coming back. Oh, God. And, Nobody oh, cares. Well, I read it. Yeah. Yeah, this, I read this a while back. An eight-episode revival is currently in development, and producers are looking for a network to run on, including Netflix. Netflix has already done something similar with Fuller House. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Roseanne Barr, John Goodman, and Sarah Gilbert are all set to return for the series. Goodman. you got to stop. That's that's what I was just going to ask. John Goodman might be the thing that'll save that, because he's gotten so much better from his early days. Hmm. I never thought he was bad, but I just never no, liked the show. No, he's gotten way better than what he used to be. Like, he was good back then, but he's just a really good actor now. I just, I, I never got the appeal of that show. I never, I never did, but whatever. The family sitcom, which centered on the working class Connor family in Illinois, ran from AB, on ABC from 1988 to 1997. That's a long run. Won four yeah. enemies, 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 <laughs> uh, four enemies uh, throughout the run. <laughs> 
Uh, news of the project comes ahead of the 20th anniversary of the series finale, you which mean, aired uh, May 20th, 1997, grabbed nearly 17 million viewers. At its peak, Roseanne ranked as the top series of television according to the 89-90 season. Other stars from the show include uh, Laurie Metcalf and J- Johnny Galecki. Goodman's return is particularly surprising given that it was revealed in the series finale that his character Dan had actually died earlier of a heart attack and that his appearance in the ninth and final season had been a product of the writings of Roseanne's character. Yeah, and that's after winning the lottery, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was weird. I thought that was... I had no investment in Roseanne. I watched some t- I watched some ep- episodes because I actually like Goodman and Laurie Metcalf. Um, so when that came up, when I saw that, I was, oh, bold move, whatever. But boy, yeah, boy, do people hate that. They like to hate the when you really go off the rails. When you really get weird. You, you mean that last season? Cause yeah. I, people just get so upset when... Uh, was that a jump the shark moment for that show, you think? Or did I don't you, know. I mean, it, I don't know. Because jump the shark is really that gimmick that shows mm-hmm. you've you've kind of lost it and you don't know what the fuck to do. And, you say this and, was a and 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 Roseanne, I I took that more as like a well, let's just get really ballsy, creatively weird. You know, it didn't seem to me jump the shark as much as like, eh, let's 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 do something really crazy. Okay. And of course, Joss Whedon was a writer on the show. Yeah, as well as um, yeah. uh, shoot, I totally blanked on his name. Yeah, uh, created Big Bang Theory and uh, like Two know. and a Half Men. I don't know who that is. I, God it's gonna damn take it. me a second. I'll think of his name. Yeah, I'm freezing up. Uh, while while you're unfreezing, week in geek. Hey. All right, hey. all right. This is no man's land territory. I have three stories here. I don't know where to put them. Okay. I don't know where to put them. News you don't give a shit about week in geek sure. because no man's land. There's good and bad. So here's a little right. no man's demilitarized land zone. All right, David Fincher and Brad Pitt are reuniting for a fourth film. That film is World War Z 2. Done. <laughs> but that's just it. Normally, I would say World War Z 2, done. But Fincher. now you have Fincher. Yeah. And now I'm like, still. okay. No, no, no still. There is no still. <laughs> there is no still with Fincher. Now, if you're a purist in love with Max Brooks's novel, then you've probably, like myself, was not particularly pleased with Mark Forster's 2014 adaptation, yeah. which took a slew of screenwriters to finish the script, ultimately veered from the source material, and then, then the reshoots came. Uh, still, the film surprised many and found an audience, made $200 million in the domestic box office, but apparently wasn't always sequel material, as Paramount's former head, Brad Gray, had pre- previously removed World War Z II from the studio's release calendar. But now, Paramount's got a new lead, Jim Giannopoulos. And the sequel's not only back on, but it has Fincher. Uh, however, production is likely to begin uh, quarter one in 2018. Apparently, Pitt, who is also producing, had been wooing Fincher for the job since last summer. And Fincher hasn't directed a film since 2014's Gone Girl, which Giannopoulos greenlit while at Fox. So, Man, If that's not a last name for a studio head, I don't know what is. Giannopoulos. <laughs> Mr. Giannopoulos? Oh. Chuck Lorre is the guy that I was trying Chuck to Chuck Lorre, god damn it. <laughs> Every mean, producer in the world is scrolling yeah. down my visual uh, uh, monitor and in, in, yeah. in my brains, 
and that my head pictures. About. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Brain movies. Chuck Lorre. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the guy's got an amazing career. I mean, started as a writer on Roseanne, went on to create uh, a lot of different television yeah. series. Uh, Grace Under Fire, Dharma and Greg, Two and a Half Wheaton. Men, Big Bang Theory, Mike and Molly, Mom. Uh, Wheaton, huh? Yeah, and yeah, and Joss Wheaton also. They had everybody. Wheaton, yeah, they had a pretty good staff of writers. I don't know why. I just never really enjoyed that. Because you're a classist. <laughs> that working class shit just didn't sing to you, Jeff. I grew up. That's probably why I had a in huge that following. kind of environment. The poor, that, you know, yeah. you know, wondering, you know. Well, maybe that's day. why. Maybe it was too close to I, home. It, it's possible. Then again, I just was never a big fan of Roseanne in general. Well, there could be so that. So that could be it, too. <laughs> Jeez. Let's list a few more reasons, Jeff. <laughs> so, yeah, I can't... Finch, no, Fincher. I, yeah, I, I can't not be on board with this, yeah. even though I panned World War Z. It was a terrible film. I, I, no, it wasn't a terrible film. It just was completely not at it, all... It was, it was a... Me- yeah, if... if I have to divorce it away from the yeah. source material. Otherwise, should have been titled okay something. Movie. Sure, should have been titled something completely different. And it was clear that they. But even if I title it Brad Pitt's stuff. zombie movie, which yeah. I will, it's a mishmash of yeah. movie with some really good scenes in it. Yeah, well, and I mean, it, totally, the action scenes are amazing. Well, maybe well, there'll be some creative cohesion. Yeah, that's with what I'm hoping for. Well, the tonality you can totally get where they did reshoots to try to change oh it's obvious yeah it's yeah. especially it's the so ending is, yeah oh. and fincher always does weird things with yeah. stuff right his original his cut of alien um or uh, just um, uh, seven which is just fucking one of the yeah. most one of the most extraordinary movies ever certainly the top three movie of night of the 90s yeah and uh um what he would do with a zombie movie, I would actually, you know, he's he's one of the few. I'd be like, okay, I want to see what he's going to do with this. So yeah, so as much as I want to hate that World War Z two is happening, Fincher makes me like it. Next in No Man's Land, earlier this year, Guillermo del Toro took to the web and told fans that despite years of trying, he will never be making Hellboy three. Hellboy two just wasn't the hit studio needed it to be and the fire for the franchise had died down. That news didn't mean Hellboy would never return to the movies, though, and now we have confirmation that Hellboy's rising again, although in a new form. Hellboy cre- creator Mike Mignola announced on his Facebook page that an R-rated reboot film is in the works with director Neil Marshall. He's the director behind The Descent, who I do like, uh, with David Harbour from Stranger Things. He's the guy that played the sheriff. Right to star as the title character. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Marshall and Harbour are both in talks to join the project, indicating deals might not be final at this point. Uh, The project seems pretty far along in the development process, though. The same report gives us a working title, Hellboy, Rise of the Blood Queen, and news of a script by novelist and comics writer Christopher Golden, who's collaborated on Hellboy stories with Magnola in the past and has written novels. Uh, Eureka co-writer... co-creator and Boom Studios co-founder Andrew Crosby and Mignola himself. Now, Del Toro and Perlman are unfortunately not involved, which makes me go, uh. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of, when I think of Hellboy, I think of Perlman all the time. Yeah. I mean, I realize some of that is makeup, but a lot of that is Perlman's face, too. Yeah, that's true. That there's no hiding that face. So, 
I love everybody involved in this movie. Yeah. And it, especially that Goldman is a part of it because mm-hmm. Goldman is a ridiculously prolific writer. Comics, novels, he's all over the place. It's funny with Perlman, though. You get to the point where it's now weird when you see him completely sans makeup in a role because <laughs> I swear to God, every role he has some kind of appliance glued to his face. 80s and 90s, yeah, yeah. I'm with that. Oh, even now. Um, in um, uh, Pacific Rim, he had appliances on his face. Like, wasn't he, he also in uh, that biker TV show? Uh, yeah, Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. yeah, I never saw it, but that, yeah, that, he that. had auction tubes and shit all over him. So yeah, <laughs> okay, I guess you can. So <laughs> uh, kind of cancer or something. So he had like. So again, mm. I'm in a place where I wish I could hate this was happening, but because of the people involved, I don't, and I'm torn. I'm getting tired of this rated R everything now. Are you Natalie Imbruglia torn? Yes, I'm Natalie Imbruglia torn. (laughs) Is there any other kinds? You just wait till we do the rated R geek shock. (laughs) Matt. Well, here's the thing. To me, Hellboy makes sense rated R. Comparing it with the comics, it's violence. It's... If I think if done properly, it should be rated. But that's R. why they're it's, not doing it. Like well. they're just like, oh, rated R is having such good success. Let's do it rated R. It's not doing. Oh, it's if it's done well. It's that's what the studio heads. Well, are. If, yes if and you, no. If because you didn't have this pedigree, I might agree with you. So, yeah, yeah. So far, I mean, so far their rated R choices have been reasonable. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, and and true enough to the source material as well as that R made sense. So yeah, right. it, rated R Archie. Yeah. Jughead, put your pants on. Get you mean, over here, You mean bitch. Riverdale on the CW? <laughs> Which apparently is getting pretty good praise. I don't know. What it's. I hear the comic's just, good. It looks ridiculous. I see the the commercials for it when I'm fast-forwarding through my uh, my CW shows, and I'm just like, I just. it's totally not for me. It's totally not for me. It's probably more for me since it's high school melodrama. It probably is right up your alley. You probably totally dig it. That's a good point. I'm what a to, I'm fetish. Gonna, I'm going to check this out. What a f- <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, in like two weeks, you'll be able to watch the entire run on Netflix. Cause, uh, that's, that's what I'm really waiting for. CW show. Who needs Luke Cage? I got Riverdale. God coming. damn it. Finish Luke Cage, motherfucker. <laughs> Jesus Christ. God damn it. Why? Because the Defenders is going to be out in like a month? Whatever. It's not that soon, oh, is it? No, wow. I'm just kidding. I'm it's just like September, right? I got yeah, time. I is got it because he's black? You got time. Huh? You racist? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> I still haven't watched the What's His Karate Feet yet. Oh, you're not missing Iron much. Fist. You're not missing yeah. much with that one. Oh, you're going to watch that one before Luke Cage? You oh, yeah. You are a racist. Yeah. That's obviously right. That's wow. why. That's why you do that. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Director Doug Lyman. Again, this is no man's land. Director Doug Lyman. No Man's Sky. Said development. Oh, I haven't seen that in a long time. I remember liking that. Is uh, chugging along on a sequel to the sci fi adventure Edge of Tomorrow. Yes. The Groundhog Day style sci fi adventure starring Tom Cruise. Cruise is back yes. again. I'm a fan. Uh, Lyman says, We have an amazing story. It's incredible. Way better than the first film. I obviously love the first film. Is this being produced by Trump? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be huge. It is. Well, after you hear this next sentence, maybe so. Director Mick G. We have a title. It is called Live, Die, Repeat, and Repeat. Oh, my. That is the title of the movie right now. Damn it. 
<laughs> I wish they I, would go with uh, all you need is kill. Yeah, that makes all the sense. Well, I... Uh, Cruz is uh, excited about it. Emily Blunt is excited about it. The big question is just when we'll do it. It's none if, it's a when. Uh, the title, pack, oh, wait. Uh, of course, the title uh, is a play on the film's tagline, Live, Die, Repeat which was featured prominently on the home release of the film, making people right. think that was the title of the movie. Uh, it seems the studio couldn't decide what to call the film, so they decided to use both titles and deeply confuse everyone actually interested in watching the movie. Live, Die, Repeat, and Repeat is the uh, name of the sequel to Edge of Tomorrow. It's it's in, just, that's uh, why it's in no man's land, because God damn it. I think they should have <laughs> just committed and stuck with Edge of Tomorrow, because if you weren't going to use the original title... That's the title you went with, and then they tried to rename it for the home release because it really is a tragically underrated film. I mean, that's what I'm hearing. I still I, haven't seen it. You still haven't oh, seen it? Oh, you're missing uh, out. I have it somewhere. I'll let you borrow you it. I think I, it. I think I've actually got it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll watch yeah, it. You're, you're, you're I'll like, get I, it watched before he sees Luke Cage. So fuck everybody. But yeah, I mean, it's it's to be it's, fair. That's an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great film. It's it's. But you have time to go to a modeling yeah. convention. And Dude, there were models there. Yeah. Hot chicks. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. And I could have beat them all but well, all, all but one. They <laughs> <laughs> uh, they should go there, with there's, like, there was one I could date, I guess is what I could say. Is that's uh, okay. I think I think a good title would be it, it Tomorrow is again. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than what they've got. <laughs> In fact, we've gotta make a movie. Titled that, guys. And it almost sounds like an original series episode, doesn't it? Star Trek, the original series. Yeah, it does. Wow. You see the little quotes. Tomorrow is again. (laughs) All all you need is repeat. (laughs) I mean, this will have a bit of an edge going into the... Theaters edge, because, I see what you did there. Yeah. Edge. Oh, oh, he brought God, it all around. He brought it because back again. People that are familiar with the first film will go see this. But, I mean, that was the big, I think, one of the huge missteps with the first film is that it's like they just didn't know how to market it to people. Because you watch the trailers, you go, okay, I know what the source material is and I know what the movie is about. But for those that aren't up in, you know, like in the geek world and and go, oh, my God, this is a movie I have to go see. They're like, oh, I don't know. This doesn't really strike me as something I want to go see. And even the star power of Cruise behind it just didn't make the general audiences want to go see it. Although when they did, they would go tell their friends, oh, my God, you got to go see this weird titled movie. And, you know, it did start to pick up towards the end of its theatrical run and then did way better, you know, once it was and movies the, the don't get market. that chance yeah. anymore. No, they, they really don't. don't. You know, they don't get the chance for word of mouth to actually give them give them some legs. Yeah, you might end. have three weeks in the theater. Yeah, and that's you know that's nothing against the theater owners. They've got to try to get you know the most out of it, considering well, uh, how much they're paying. for A lot the, of it's also contract. I mean, yeah. it's so complicated. Oh God, um, yeah, because uh, I mean, a lot of you know I've talked to some people that go to CinemaCon, which is the... There's a big convention here in Vegas every year called CinemaCon where it's the theater owners, and they have a big convention where they meet with the studios, and the studios are trying to get them interested in the next year's worth of films that they're going to rent. You know, it used to be they rented prints, but now they rent little hard drives of the film, and then they pay a fee on the number of theaters they projected in. 
so you know the theater owners are spending a good chunk of money for every single screening of each of these films so they have to find a balance between all the different films that are out in the same week and how many weeks they can afford to keep it in the theater because it actually is the rental fee starts to go down the longer you have it in there so it does start to become more profitable the longer you have it in the theater but then you have to compete with the other theaters moving in the new slate of films so it's a it's a really delicate balance and plus you uh don't uh, nowadays the studios take like 80 percent of the gate and the first weekend no uh, basically what the studios do is they've made all of their money back by the time they put it in the in the theater because i know that that used to be the formula they self-distribute so when they send you the copy of the film you know be it on a hard drive or sometimes they have satellite um delivery now depending on what system you're using to project um you know you've you've paid for a certain number of exhibitions of that particular film so they still basically make all their money off of concessions and then a little bit off the ticket sales, but well, that, the first weekend is pretty much a wash. They're not making any money off well, of ticket sales. Well, the theater owners. Yeah, the theater yeah, owners. That's what yes. I meant. The studios. The studios. Yeah, no, the studios because every studio owns its own distribution center. Yeah, they've they've already <laughs> made their money by the time it's in the theaters. Todd yeah. got me. Yeah, I got you, Craig. Got to get you. <laughs> Let's bring it back around again. All right, here's some real weekend geek stuff. All right, now we're getting to the stuff that are like, okay, here we go. The meat and potatoes. All right. M. Night Shyamalan, stay with me. Stay with you me. You know, this is really funny. What are you doing? <laughs> Split's been getting good ratings, so I don't... Has been working on a sequel to Unbreakable and Split. Oh, yeah, I heard about it. Now it's official. The film is titled Glass. Shyamalan confirmed original stars Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson will be back, Yay. along with James, McAvo- James McAvoy and Anya, Anya Tyler-Joy from Split. The title implies it will be focusing on Jackson's supervillain, and with the cast list locked in, looks to fully blend the worlds of the two films. Shyamalan said the studio is planning to release Glass on January 18th, 2019. So they're not two separate sequels, it's one sequel for... Yeah. Both films? Yeah, it's th- hey, hey, it's Jeff. It takes place in the same Jeff. world. What a twist. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Could you feel okay, the eye? Maple not, Leaf is impressed. Now I'm not sure how to feel about that because... I don't that, know that anything me, about Split. That got me excited at first. Be- I haven't seen Split yet, but uh, I, several of my friends have seen it and they really enjoyed it. That, I like McAvoy. That, uh, you know, they thought it was a good um, Shyamalan film. Uh what was I going to say? Oh, so Unbreakable is my favorite Shyamalan film of, of all time. That's that's the one that I will go back and rewatch. I was over and very over. impressed by that movie. Yeah, yeah was I wasn't expecting to be that impressed by it either. And, and you know, the twist at the end was it well, totally caught. Out. Well, you know, it totally caught caught me off guard at the time. The first time I watched it, I was like, "Oh shit!" It. I mean, it like really hit me out of left field, and I was just. Not to, expecting. To me, it was the first comic book movie that was really taking comic book movies yeah. seriously. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Batman had its share of camp, right? But uh, that took it up to another level. It was Unbreakable that took it to that next level for me. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, uh, I would be excited about an Unbreakable sequel. I'm not sure I want those two combined into a single film sequel. Yeah, without seeing Split, I don't, I don't even know what Split's about. Uh, it's about a 
kid with split personalities is to put it makes in, sense oh yeah. once a serial killer right, or something i saw yeah. that yeah i saw that trailer yeah Okay. But supposedly there's a twist in there where there's like another. <gasps> oh, what? What? Matt? Matt? <laughs> oh, really? I, like I said, I haven't seen the film yet, but like there's apparently like another twist in there where there, like there's a, a personality that none of the others in his oh, and split it are aware it of. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, the main killing one, I think. That's, <laughs> we'll just wreck the whole movie. Have you, seen, have you seen the movie? No. Oh. No. <laughs> I'll Matt's, see it soon, though. I, I, that's got to be a new segment. Matt's, I haven't seen it, but this is the movie. <laughs> and he tells you all about the movie he hasn't seen. Well, that was Paul's My, job. Minus, <laughs> minus invading aliens that come to a world that's 80% water. I did like science, but other than that, I can look past that. Science was the last Shyamalan movie I thought was really good. Yeah. Other than the fact that this advanced, this advanced you know, civilization. Swing away. They, they, they come to a planet. They don't like water yet. Blue planet. And it rains. Eh, whatever. Maybe they're like the reverse of the aliens in Alien Nation where salt water, fresh water is fine, but salt water gets them Aha! in the Alien Nation. And in signs, it's the fresh water that they're, yeah. you know, yeah. it's like yeah, acid Matt, to them versus away. salt water. Swing so. away, Matt. <laughs> Bat drop. Boom. <laughs> I don't know. Although, There's dust uh, in it. There's a hair in it. He did make that uh, elevator horror movie called Devil. That was actually pretty decent. Yes, that was actually. Yeah. That was good. And then he comes out with a shitter that's a village. But that was before Devil, as, as was uh, Lady in the Water and uh, The Happening. The, and the, then, you know, his all-time favorite airbender. Oh, I forgot he did that one. Why uh, are the trees trying to kill us? I'm Mark Wahlberg. I don't know. Well, you just answered your own question, didn't you? <laughs> Sony Pictures has claimed December 18th, 2019 for its big budget Masters of the Universe movie. And the project has lost its director, Mick G. Thank God right? someone's not here. Oh, my God. Uh, no, I'm glad that we lost Mick G. I'm glad when Mick G leaves anything. Uh, Terminator Salvation, he did that. Charlie's Angels, he did that. Mick G has been linked to the sci-fi fantasy reboot for over a year, but has decided to take his talents to other projects. Leaving the studio with a tough spot, essentially two years to put a film in the can and market it, along with the creative team Exodus. Uh, David Goyer has come on board to possibly remove some inherent campiness and inject a somber tone in his trademark grim dark to the screenplay. Goyer is busy penning the Green Lantern Corps movie for the DC Expanded Universe. Uh, this live-action sword and sorcery spectacle inspired by Mattel's 1980s toy line and Filmation's cartoon series He-Man and the Masters of the Universe has been in development pipeline for years. I don't know how well it would do, but if they did a serious, a dead serious He-Man, I'd be interested. It'd be fun. I, I don't think the public would be interested. Yeah, but, I know. But I'm with you on that. I, th I would like to see Grimdark He-Man. Yeah, yeah. Just, just <laughs> take it serious and, and, and do it. It, yeah, but keep that music. Keep that music. <laughs> so I don't, this is what kills me with Mick G. Is like when he's a producer on something, they actually put out pretty decent stuff. Okay, but it's like when he gets into the director chair, it's almost like he just can't take split his personality. Uh, I, I mean, it's like <laughs> what a it's twist. like it's it's like I don't know. It's like as a producer, he he. Lends his creativity, but he still has to work with the other producers and the directors, etc., and and works well as a team player. 
However, it's like when he's the director, it's like he wants to take too much control over everything, and he just takes it way too far. I can't makes explain. It too, uh, I, I don't. I can't explain it either. That's just Terminator my theory. salvation. That's the only explanation I need yeah. to give you. Really. I mean, he was like the the what specific example I can give is that he was a producer on Chuck, Uh, and Chuck was a great series that I really enjoyed. But he had a really strong group of co-producers, that and also uh, episodic directors that he worked well with, and that series was so good right up until the very end. And even the ending was pretty cool. And it was kind of a tragic ending, too, for a TV series. It's something you don't really see on TV very often. What were you to say no, about I just, Salvation? I was just going to say, Vernon beat me into kind of respecting Salvation. I don't think it's the best Terminator movie, but I actually watched it, and I'm like, oh, I can... Uh, I, a I'm lot starting of it, to think Vernon is the anti-Torgo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe. Well, it, didn't he Part of it, it might have been sentimentality. Because we, he was like, well, we've got to watch it now. And this was after Anton got killed. Okay. And so I was sitting there watching his, his version of Reese. And I was just like, oh, okay, you know. Wait what? a second. That's not salvation. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Anton Yelchin is Kyle Reese. That's salvation. The next one is Genesis. Genesis. Oh. After that. But Genesis is not. Oh, with G. okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. You are thinking. For saying that, I was thinking, Jake, that, I was thinking that Genesis did, but. did a version of Kyle Reese as well. Right, but uh, but no, it's it's still Salvation, the one I absolutely hate. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, sure. it's um, uh, Christian Bale that plays John Connor. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, that's that's the one you're thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the one I did. Uh, didn't yeah. he make you watch that though because of the tie-in with Sarah Connor Chronicles? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And Sarah Connor Chronicles is awesome. Yeah. I was yeah. really. Upset I was really when they... sad when uh, when I, I was watching it, knowing that this is a series that ended before its time, and it was just yeah. like, oh, this is too bad because this is great. Then again, it, you know, uh, it was Lena Headey is free to do Game of Thrones, sure. although there's sure. a huge <laughs> gap between right. the series. But you know, I, I just pretend that that's the reason. Well, Fox <laughs> doesn't know what to do with the hit on their hands unless it's uh, you know X Files, which is coming back again. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, you know, so. Eh. And I like Charlie's Angels. Did he do both of them? No, he did the sequel. Did he do both of them? He did the first and the second one. Yeah. Oh, okay. I like, uh. I didn't like the second one. The first one is the anti-Dorgo. I, I like McGee. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, McGee, give me a call. Well, all right. Uh, the Hasbro Star Wars fan figure vote is by the fans for the fans, bringing characters into the Hasbro toy line that may not have made it otherwise. Because it opens up more possibilities than the strict canonical characters, previous winners include Star Wars Legends' Jaina Solo, the Knights of the Old Republic's Darth, Darth Ravan and Bastia Shan. This year's winner made her first appearance in Marvel's Darth Vader comic book before moving on to her own solo title in 2016. Afra, Dr. Afra will be oh, the next wow. Hasbro Star Wars 3.75-inch action figure, narrowly beating out Ahsoka Tano. Very cool. Is this only for Star Wars? Because I'm seeing a pattern here. They oh. they only do the fan favorite for Star Wars. To fakes. my knowledge, okay. I'm not, I don't follow it's Hasbro like, It's not enough. like there are other options. Until today, Star Wars somehow always wins. No, 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 yeah, this is just Star Wars. <laughs> okay. All right, but Dr. Aphra, that's kind of cool. She was a fun character in Vader. Yeah, I liked it too. 
I did, but I've only read the first volume. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was funny because after I read the first volume, all the cool stuff I was crowing about, I realized is not in that volume. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> I may have to buy another volume for the guys because God knows they're not going to do it. <laughs> the first but, half of volume one was great the second half was eh. so i so i thought i'll take volume two what? when he's like up. i have a son yeah the ending and, and, was great and, but and the windows are crackling but fighting the x-men before that was kind of a hey 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 actually have you guys ever seen uh alex ross's vader versus dr doom no, but that sounds amazing. Yeah, it's just like it's a, it's a single you know picture, and it's the two of them. That's actually very brilliant. cool. And when you look at it, you're just like, oh shit! And 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 knowing what and knowing Alex as I do from way back, you know that there's a little bit of him that's that's taking the piss out of Vader, because Doom is of course predates Vader by like 15 years. True, but it's, yeah, and and is Vader is very Doomish. Going back to movie Bob and the Fantastic Four, one thing Bob. I will say, that's his first rule. He solves doom. No doom in first in ah, the first no movie. doom in origin. Yeah. He says doom is too cool of a character to to have to explain both in Right. So, and that's a good that's yeah. a good point. Because he is too cool for school. Sharing the origin di- yeah. dilutes doom. Yes. You get diluted doom. That's exactly You don't it. want that. He says doom is the you best, best villain the Marvel's ever <laughs> turned out. He deserves more respect than throwing him in that first origin movie. All right. Fuck it. They should just, they should do a do Fantastic a doom movie? Four yeah. series. Do a fucking series. Get it on a pay, even if you gotta do it outside the television universe for Netflix, but have Netflix do it anyway. Just do it. Just do it. Get a nice cosmic, because, you know, Fantastic Four. I mean, after Guardians of the Galaxy 2, they have got a stranglehold on Marvel Cosmic. Even even Doctor Strange is going to have to work to, to take that because it, it's really just amazing. But, you know, Fantastic Four was the first cosmic series, in, in a sense, for the Silver Age Marvel. And also the first series for Silver Age Marvel. Period. Yeah. <laughs> Fine, Torgo. <laughs> Stanley Weston. The man. <laughs> I heard Stanley. And I, I, was, yeah, I totally <laughs> yes, yes. went in another That's direction. That's right, true believers. <laughs> Excelsior. The man who invented the military action figure that went on to become G.I. Joe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Has passed away at the age of 81 in Los Angeles. The man wasn't only the inventor of, the, of G.I. Joe, also a veteran who served in the military after the Korean War and later became a pioneer in the licensing business. Yeah, it's pretty impressive, his slate of licenses. After Barbie dolls were introduced in 1960, Weston saw an untapped market for boys, and that's when he came up with the idea of military action figures. He took that concept to a little Rhode Island toy company and sold the outfitted action figures idea for $100,000. That little company was run by Donald Levine, a Korean War veteran who is credited with creating and naming the action figure. He also got it into the marketplace. Eventually, that company became Hasbro, and Weston watched his idea explode into a $100 million success that spawned an animated series and a couple of crappy live-action films. Hasbro was uh, built on the success of G.I. Joe. 
Weston eventually formed his own company, Leisure Concepts, went on to represent Charlie Angel's Farrah Fawcett, the World Wrestling Federation, and even Nintendo. And in in 67, he also signed a 10-year agreement with Major League Baseball Players Association for the likeness of every major player in the National and American League. He was also inducted into the Licensing Industry Hall of Fame when it was created, beating out Walt Disney. Licensing? Hall of Fame? Yes. Apparently that is a thing. Wow. Yeah, the the inaugural uh, class of the Licensing Hall of Fame were him, George Lucas, and shoot, I'm totally forgetting the other guy. Mick G. No. But but, but it's funny that, you know, the Licensing (laughs) Hall of Fame, the first inductees are George Lucas and the creator of G.I. Joe. Yeah, really? Wow. That's that's okay. Yeah, my I remember the twelve inch Joes. They're the most awesome ever. Yeah, I'll bet you, I'll bet you remember the twelve inch yeah. Joe. Yeah, those twelve inch Joes. Yeah, they remind me. What else me are you gonna do me. on a Saturday night? <laughs> Rick Bauer's book. Superman versus the Ku Klux Klan: The True Story of How I, the Iconic Superhero Battled the Men of Hate. That Cro- useless character, right, Maple Leaf? <laughs> chronicled the creation of a real-life 1946 radio drama in which Superman took on a thinly-veiled version of the actual Klan. Yep. (laughs) The book is now being adapted for the screen by Katherine Lindbergh. The team describes the movie plot as chronicling a former Klan member who goes undercover in the 1946 Atlanta and works with the Anti-Defamation League and the producer of the Superman radio show. Quote, fighting the forces of evil with brain over brawn, artists taking down bullies in the power of good, of a good piece of content. It's a real case of truth being cooler than fiction, said producer Mark Rosen. We're excited to develop the thriller elements of the film in the vein of The Departed and Mississippi Burning, unquote. Yeah, that is a book I really do want to read. Because apparently what they were doing is they had like an inner inside on the clan. Like someone in there reporting what they were doing, and the radio show was actually disseminating real clan information that Superman yeah, was fighting yeah. against, and the clan was going nuts because somebody was spilling their secrets. <laughs> so that's this what this movie is awesome. Be about. Awesome story. That's an interesting. Yeah, I like that. Dif- very different. Yeah. Idea. It is a time of gluttony. If you are a Stephen King fan, the Dark Tower film is on its way along with new adaptations of It and the Miss TV shows coming up, what, June 22nd on Spike? It's It. And the anthology series Castle Rock is on its way. Now you can add another project to the list, a new adaptation of Firestarter from Akiva Goldsman and producer J- Jason Bloom of Bloomhouse, who has a pretty good track record. Uh, Scott Teams, uh, for, who did Rectify, will script the project, while Goldsman, best known for his screenwriter work on films like I Am Legend and Oscar-winning A Beautiful Mind, will direct. Universal Pictures, which released the film in uh, 1984 in their adaptation, uh, they're also attached. Firestarter is one of King's earliest novels, one of his early attempts to merge science fiction and horror. The title refers to a young girl named Charlie McGee, originally played by Drew Barrymore in the first film, who developed intense pyrokinetic powers as a result of her parents being involved with government experiments before her birth. The government agency that conducted those experiments, known as The Shop, seeks to harness Charlie and her powers and sends an assassin to retrieve her. The novel is part of part chase thriller, part horror spectacle. 
Not Dave, my favorite of Stephen King's canon, but I think it's ripe for a remake now. David Keith, right? Yeah. yeah. Or is it Keith David? No, it's David uh, Keith. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, are they going to bring Barrymore back, I wonder? I, like, I wouldn't be surprised if she cameos something. Some like director of the shop or something like it's that. A, it's an interesting film. It's kind of scary, too. At least at the time that I saw it, you know. it has a creepy vibe to it too. Because yeah, even, um, if, even though I don't get into the whole uh, uh, pedophilia paranoia that run that's kind of running amok right now. Well, it's because uh, George C. Scott's character—he's like that's the just, assassin. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. And he's, I, so I know he's what you mean. It's like, like yeah, I can take care of the dad, but but the my part of the deal is I want the girl. And it's just like it's like yeah that, that that it's that creepy. It's like a non-sexual yeah because he just wants her to exploit her power yeah it's not like there's anything sex or sexual about it but there's still this undercurrent yeah. of just I remember watching the movie and when he said that line I was just like ew yeah you just feel kind of uncomfortable very uncomfortable. like. Like, ugh, uh, I can't Plus even. Plus, he had a ponytail. That's yeah, trouble. That yeah, that, yeah, all <laughs> those <laughs> grown men with long hair and the ponytail. Can't trust him. Can't trust those. What the fuck? But yeah, ugh, I just yeah. I remember watching that as a kid and just going, it's like stranger danger. <laughs> <laughs> Strangest danger. It's like the yeah. kind of guy that would try to lure Andy into a van or something. <laughs> well, at least the forest. George yeah. C. Scott walking Andy into the forest. And Andy's just like, well, no, let's just go this way. <laughs> let's, let's go by the house that everyone tells me not to go by. <laughs> the novella Throttle, which was written by Stephen King and his son Joe Hill, is being developed into a feature film. Oh. Throttle is about a biker gang. Stephen King, holy shit. Yeah, right now. So, so much of it. Uh, Throttle is about a biker gang riding across Nevada being chased by a faceless trucker after a deal goes bad. The main part of the story follows the relationship between a father and son. The writer of the screenplay will be John Scott III, who wrote the 2015 film Maggie, which was about Arnold Schwarzenegger taking care of his zombie daughter. Oh, yeah. Quote, inspired by Richard Matheson's classic Duel, Throttle by Joe Hill and Stephen King is a duel of a different kind, pitting a faceless trucker against that of a tribe of motorcycle outlaws in the simmering Nevada desert. Ooh. Their battle is fought out in 20 miles of the most lonely road of the country, a place where only the th- only thing worse than not knowing what you're up against is slowing down, unquote. They must mean the road between here and Reno then, because... <laughs> They're on an extraterrestrial highway that's, yeah. uh, that's a good chunk of that's nothing. Cool. Yeah, I remember when you got back from that trip, you were just like, there's just nothing between North of Vegas and Reno. <laughs> or at least when up to Rachel, where you got to Rachel, yeah, you said, there, yeah, oh, he's really subbing for Andy. <laughs> yes, yeah. sorry about that. Wow, did you release an elephant? Yes. <laughs> did you see him lean over? He had yeah, to make well, room. I was trying to, to lean over and crack a rat. I was trying to readjust my seat, and then it, the seat oh, readjusted me. Yeah. Oh, I got it. Oh, this, I'm that so was uncomfortable. One of those I don't know why. <laughs> oh, I feel so much better. Must be my position. Yeah, it was one of those unintentional seat adjusts there. <laughs> that was unintentional. God, I don't ever want you to intentionally oh, yeah. rip. Because, wow. No, you really don't. <laughs> you really don't. I'll, I'll give you that over Andy. Because Andy... They're silent, and he won't oh, cop uh-oh. to it unless you catch him. Oh, I'll cop to it. I just, it's... <laughs> yeah, no, he... Yeah. yeah. 
but he'll cop to it immediately. He'll just say, he'll just once you go, what's that? He'll go, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah there's, there's, he just know. he's always sitting there hoping that you won't notice. Like, it's like maybe they won't smell it. I like it because now oh. nowadays I just stare at him and he'll see me staring and he'll eventually Start get that giggling. Oh. <laughs> not to mention the you know the couch vibrates. So. Yeah. Well, fortunately, he's not in the couch anymore. So yeah, yeah. I don't feel it. <laughs> HBO is reportedly developing a total of four pitches for new Game of Thrones-related shows. I saw this. Though there have been no details of how they might connect to the current season, or series as it is. It doesn't mean we'll have four new Game of Thrones shows on TV. Most likely, HBO will move the strongest pitches into development and go from there. The network has already lined up writers and writing teams to develop the shows. Max Bornstein, writer of Kong Skull Island, is developing one idea. Jane Goldman, uh, writer of Kick-Ass, and Martin uh, is doing another. Uh, that's George R.R. R. Martin to you. Uh, Brian Hedgeland uh, did A Knight's Tale. Wow. Uh, another. And Carly Rae, a writer from Mad Men, with, again, George R.R. R. Martin developing a different one. Uh, the final two seasons of Game of Thrones are already mapped out, but those two seasons will only feature a total of 15 more episodes. Yep. The end is nigh. Willikers. Winter is here. Brian Henson's puppet murder noir, Happy Time Murders, has been kicking around development for years. We've talked right. about it a few times. Yeah. Now it's landed its star. Really? Variety reports Melissa McCarthy will take the lead role in the Happy Time Murders, which is set in a version of Los Angeles where humans and puppets coexist. It follows a human and puppet detective team as they try to solve the brutal murmur, 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 murmur. Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal murder of a puppet who starred on a beloved children's show. Oh. In a statement, McCarthy said she was attracted to the project because it was, quote, a really good script that combines puppet strippers, Los Angeles underbelly, and comedy, and called it a fever dream come true. So it's like an Avenue Q version of Roger Rabbit. Who framed Roger Rabbit? I like that description. That's a that's a, actually a really good long line. That's the elevator pitch. Uh, maybe if I'm... I don't know. Maybe there is music. I hope there's music yeah. now. Oh, that would be fun. That'd yeah. be great if it's a musical. Everyone's a little bit murder. <laughs> <laughs> Production is set to start in August. Mm. It's interesting. He finally got that off the ground. Because, yeah, for years he's had that bouncing around. Yeah, we, we've talked about it. Yeah. Last time was like, what, well, I two don't, years I, ago? I don't Something know like that. that. Puppet strippers was ever mentioned to me before because now I'm interested. Yeah, this is the first time I've gotten that. So. Well, I mean, Big there plus. were puppet strippers in uh, Avenue Q's. That's what made me think of it. Ah, and again, this is Brian Henson's baby, so right. this, is, this is a Henson shop thing. Uh, another uh, former red light, green light coming to fruition after three successful movies. The Purge is officially expanding from TVs from theaters to television. A new show based on the politically tinged franchise, which takes place in the near future America, where a totalitarian government allows crime and criminals to run rampant for one night per year, is in development and will reportedly air on Sci-Fi and USA. Bloomhouse, the studio behind The Purge and numerous other horror hits like Insidious, Sinister, Split, uh -huh, uh, Get Out, is launching its own full-fledged TV production company. And The Purge is one of the first two announced projects. The other is Secure and Hold, The Last Days of Roger Ailes, a limited series on Showtime based on the fall of Roger Ailes from Fox News. 
really weird for Bloomhouse, I have to say. How are they going to run that? Because it's, it's what? So every other show or every every show is a different year? It's one night a my, year. My thought is you go to the build-up and, and like, because I haven't seen the movie. So I, I, I haven't either. And I really but, need to watch those. Yeah, but you, you have several episodes that lead, build up to the purge happening when people like plan and execute whatever they're mm, going to try to do or people prepping to avoid, okay. oh. you know, festival red hour <laughs> Star Trek <laughs> reference. But, um, <clears throat> it sounds, it's one of the interesting criticisms of the purge I've always heard is like, you know, uh, this all crimes are off the books and people go on murder and rape sprees and all that stuff, violent crime. And somebody's like, why waste your time with that? It's like, go for embezzlement. Go for grand theft. You know, rip off a bank. Uh, 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 digitally steal its money and just make yourself rich. You know, why would you even think of just going with the violent crime? Because it's easy. Hmm? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, no. now we know. Let's have a talk after the show. Yeah, okay, Maple Leaf, talk. who's hiding out in the U.S. from Canadian authorities. That would be, you just pick up a gun, you go outside, and you look for some people. Yeah, it's but easier you, than, you're set for life yeah. if you play it right, especially one night a year. So you spend 364 days prepping for your big score. Because as with most of these types of films, they always go for the the baser nature of humanity True. True. i don't know it's, it, i think it is just it's that they go to that lowest common denominator all the time instead of saying okay what would an intelligent person do if crime were suspended because i think they <laughs> they have this feeling that nobody is going to care about the right. high sure, the sure, high sure. Mo- they, they, crimes that they think that there's all no emotion, people there's no if, drama if all crime were lifted that everybody wants to succumb what? to their you know festival you know their lizard brain if you will and mm-hmm. just do all the stupid shit. I like the first half of that sentence, though. That that should be some kind of tagline. It's not like they sit there and go, "What would an intelligent person do?" <laughs> when you know, whenever well, you're plotting, you know, they think that we're like, all just animals and it's all bubbling below the surface. And you well, know, you and Matt the, are revealing the, some the, shit. Yeah, the, movie, wow. the movie portrays that really well. If, but see, I've I'm seen not. It. One I've of seen them. all three. Yeah. yeah. So there, it's a bunch of crazies. Yeah. I don't know. There might be something to it, but you know, I don't have a desire to go out and commit violent crimes. I would be probably the person in your film that I'd be like sitting there scheming. Tap, tap, tap. I do not want to commit any violent crimes. Just want to make sure that's on the record. (laughs) Yeah, really? (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I would, I would be the one that would scheme and plot. And, and it's like, as soon as crimes lifted, I would get, uh, all of the money or all the bacon. But okay, decided with. just so you guys know, there's some off-limit <laughs> targets in that movie, like political figures, like right. people with level ten and above is immune oh, to it. Okay. So you're saying the Coke, so you're saying the Koch brothers' bank accounts are off limits. Mm. People like that, yes. You just can't oh. go and you know kill a world leader somewhere. All right, okay. all right, all right. I call bullshit. <laughs> and yeah. Besides, what do you do? You know. All right, all right, all right. Uh, here's another red light, green light alum that's making it forward. Walking Dead alum Chad L. Coleman has been set to star alongside Seth MacFarlane in the Family Guy creator's new space set series on Fox. Coleman will be joining the crew of the Starship Orville as a series regular. 
He'll be joined in McFarlane's first live-action TV endeavor by Larry Joe Campbell, according to Jim. Uh, that show. Not this, I didn't hear this from Jim. <laughs> who will appear in a recurring role. Sci-fi and genre fans will already know Coleman from his work as Tyrese on The Walking Dead, uh, Tobias Church on Arrow, and Fred Johnson on Sci-Fi's The Expanse. Uh, set 300 years in the future, the series follows the adventures of the Orville, a not-so-top-of-the-line exploratory ship in Earth's interstellar fleet, facing cosmic challenges from without and within. This motley crew of space explorers will boldly go where no comedic drama has gone before. They've already started shooting. Uh, in fact, Jonathan Frakes is either in the midst of directing an episode or yeah. has finished directing an episode. That, that sounds fun he, to me. Uh, he tweeted out some pictures of himself on set. There's been several adaptations of H.G. Wells' 1898 novel, The War of the Worlds, from the radio drama of 1938 to the recent book, The Great Martian War, 1913-1917, and many, many dramatizations in between. However... Only one direct-to-video movie and a progressive rock concept album took place in the original novel's Victorian era. I had that album. That's a, that's a fun thing. It's fun. It's, Richard Burton is narrating. Yes. Uh, if you can, it's on YouTube. So, so if, I forget who is, who's the name behind it. Something Something's War of the Worlds. I can't remember the name of the guy that's... Oh, God, I've forgotten his name, yeah. Because he... Yeah, shit. But they did a really grand stage production of it not that long ago, like five or six years ago. Okay. And it's really impressive with a full alien tripod on the stage. Very cool. And and, and the music's fun stuff. It's it's prog rock. Um, I, I first listened to it thinking it was an actual musical, but no, it's just a... It's a concept album, basically, although they did stage it that one time. David Squire? No. No. Fuck. No. I can't remember. Uh, I do know that uh, Lennox from Thin Lizzy is uh, is one of the one of the performers okay. in it. He plays in it as well as performs a character. In addition to Burton's narrator, who did you know? It's one of uh, I, I well you know Burton's Burton. So yeah. I, I Jeff do Wayne's say, musical version of the War of the that's Worlds. That's it. Jeff Wayne's musical version of the War of the Worlds. Uh, I, I watched it shortly after I read War of the Worlds, and it was a great companion piece. So if you're a fan of War of the Worlds and haven't seen Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds or listened to it, even more importantly, yeah, take some time. Do that. Uh, now the BBC is about to give us a three-part televised series of the War of the Worlds in the proper setting. The upcoming BBC production, which begins filming early 2018, uh, most likely be set in... 1897, the year Wells' story was serialized in Pearson's magazine. This War of the Worlds adaptation will be written by Peter Harness, who turns uh, Susanna Clark's Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell into a seven-part series. He's also written three episodes of Doctor Who, including the Zygon invasion. Nice. So I'm excited to see a period proper. That will be yeah. interesting, because a, a lot of the whole series is... It's it's so much for that period that when you move it ahead, it kind of there there are a whole bunch of questions. You know, why aren't they doing this, or why is this a problem, or stuff like that. When you when you have the protagonist running away on a horse and cart, that kind of tells yeah. you everything you need to know yeah. about the time. <laughs> right? Yes, yeah. yeah, huge yeah. disparity between the you know the native population and the Martians, and yeah, you it's, know, it's, still even like in like the fifty five uh, movie. 
Sure, there's that but, disparity, uh, but nowhere near. But yeah, but you know, they still could quote unquote fight back and no, anyway, quote unquote. Yeah. <laughs> And we'll do one more They're story. Drop the A-bomb. <laughs> uh, this was sent to me a while back from Colonel John, so thank you for sending me this. A, a British company called Windhorse Aerospace thinks it's figured out the key to solving the humanitarian crisis. Edible drones. What? It's unmanned pouncer prototype that's currently in the works will have a wingspan of nine feet and be constructed of various foodstuffs to drop supplies and then itself into territories in need of aid. This drone could be built of a honeycomb and compressed vegetables with salami serving as landing gear, according to a, <laughs> new, in, according to a new interview in the Financial Times. Why salami? Because it's physically strong with good tensile strength and flexibility, unquote. Yes, this is real. Edible this drones. This shit is real. Drops the food, then drops itself. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, why not? No. <laughs> well, they're talking about using it in areas that, you know, it's hard to deliver food to. And, you know, what are they going to do with the drone? Just let it sit there until somebody can come retrieve it? Why not have it be torn apart and used for for food? <laughs> What edibles, it makes sense, yeah. What edibles would you like in flight? Write to us. Comments at UglyCouchShow.com. <sighs> um. you, can, you can add to that. Until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Maple Leaf Matt. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. Oh, yeah. So are we going to read this? Oh, uh. thank you for reminding me. Yes, yes, yes. All right. You said you were going to. I know. I forgot. You gave up. I forgot. <laughs> Who's going to start? So I'll start it. And we'll, All and right. we'll pass it around. We'll We'll make it sexy. Uh, we'll, one paragraph each, because, you know, this, this is for sale. Chapter <laughs> one. Of all the things that Lady Madeline Parker disliked about her life, the one that constantly stuck out in her brain was her hatred of embroidery. There was something inherently pointless about the entire idea, for why would anyone really care about the process of making pretty little designs with a needle and thread? If anything, a needle and threads use lie in mending. But according to Mama, that was a job for the maids. How about you, Maple Leaf? <sighs> yeah, feel my pain. Feel my pain. She thought about this as she sat in the library, pulling over an embroidery hoop that was supposed to eventually become a colorful bouquet of flowers, but instead just looked like a colorful mess of nothing. Madeline. <laughs> Never seemed to be good at things that apparently mattered. <laughs> that was sexy. It's <laughs> bold and brash and sexy. It started off wrestler and then it <laughs> eventually toned down. Now we're into dialogue and it's gotten shorter. I'm going to do the next two. You, you, yeah, you feel what you, 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 you take your spot. This is ridiculous, she complained, fighting the urge to throw her embroidery hoop across the room in dismay. Do not be silly, her younger sister Victoria primly replied, sitting straight back in her chair and delicately threading her needle. It is not useless to create beautiful things. <laughs> of course, Victoria would say something like this. Victoria always had a precise response. At the age of 16, her sister had already overshadowed what few accomplishments Madeline had. While Madeline possessed zero musical ability, Victoria could play the harp as well as the piano. Oh, wow. 
Madeline could not wrap her head around embroidery, and she could barely dance. But Victoria created beautiful pieces and could dance as though her feet did not even touch the ground. Are you salivating for chicken yet? <laughs> yeah? <laughs> there you go. What's that novel called? Tender Wings of Desire. Ugh. Yikes. I'm going to go to KFC right now and pick me up two breasts. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> breasts. It also, there's a free download thing with the... Some uh, Mother's Day pack at KFC as well. Like you oh, buy a pack it. and it gives you the free download. You get the Mother's so. Day chicken, yeah. then you get the free horrible romantic ebook. Something wow. like that, yes. About not liking embroidery. All right. Hey, War of the Worlds. Uh, David Essex, who's was what I was thinking about. He's one of the vocals. Uh, Philip Lennett. Uh, not Lennox, but Lennett from Thin Lizzy. He's the other performer. Oh, okay. Liam Neeson was the narrator in some of the touring productions. Oh. Um, and that's that's like the name that really sticks out. There, there's a whole shitload. I mean, the, the, the list goes on about the, the various uh, th- tours that they did. I think the big stage one that they... I, th- you, I think they sold it on DVD. Mm-hmm. I think they had Burton either projected yeah. saying He was projected. Or even a hologram, I'm not sure. Yeah, but. they said... I mean, here it says a big bust yes. of the narrator is projected on that's what it was so that the whole madame leota kind of thing from mm-hmm. haunted mansion yeah but it, it it's it's yeah i just i remember uh when i worked in a comic shop i managed a comic shop in chicago and i worked with my friend steve darnall he uh he was a writer on uh with we were friends with alex ross and he was the writer of uncle sam uh, the 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 graphic novel Alex did after uh, he uh, made his bones with Kingdom Come <clears throat> and uh, or Marvels I should say I'm sorry and um I annoyed the shit out of Steve because Steve was not much of a rock enthusiast okay was, and so I had that playing in the store all the time and uh. it just drove him crazy really he absolutely yeah what what did he prefer to hear <sighs> uh folk oh, um okay you know jazz i mean okay uh, i'm yes, sorry steep think two things that don't go in a comic shop folk and rock jazz? yeah folk and <laughs> jazz and and it, every comic shop i went to as a kid rock played yeah like that yeah. so that, that it totally fits i'm yeah. sorry although progressive me. rock yeah. i mean that's yeah, a, yeah that's a, I, can, yeah. I can see you argue against that and war of the world this of is war of the world is this a is narrative but, but yeah, yeah 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 and you know and i think also uh steve could be a little uh uh is it uh, oh crap kind of like hipster or the iconoclastic uh-huh. so uh-huh. richard burton it's like, oh, you know, he he's it was over and done with. What what did he ever do that was really good? And blah blah Who's blah. Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Well, exactly. Right. And you know, do you, you know, probably didn't even see that. You know, and you can't talk about Hamlet uh, during World War Two or Cleopatra. in the fifties or anything like that because you know nobody saw that. Only people in the theater. Blah blah blah. So, so he, you know, that yeah. So. So, yeah. I mean, it's just like when uh, he and I would get into arguments about Richard Harris because he, you know, his his vision of Richard Harris is hamming it up in uh, uh, Camelot. And so, uh. I, I I owe a lot to Richard Harris. Oh? Because that was the first musical my parents ever brought me to as a kid. Oh. Was Richard Harris. 
in an outdoor theater setting of Camelot. He was doing, oh, yeah. yeah. He oh. told me. Yeah, he's actually told me about this before, and, and that changed my life. I, I, I remember mm-hmm. my parents asking me, uh, "What did you think?" And I said, "That was better than going to Kings Island." Wow. <laughs> so Kings Island being the theme park in Cincinnati, Ohio. And, and your parents either went, yay, or they went, oh, God. And then, yeah. Then they, <laughs> and was that before you made that, the connection that that's all, the same guy that sang MacArthur Park? Yeah, later on, I'm like, I, I'll, I'll forgive you for that. Um, <laughs> wow. But, yeah. Yeah, my, pa- my parents probably cursed that day. <laughs> Harris is cool. What a raconteur. His stories, yeah. every time he'd appear on a late night show. He'd have he'd have hella great stories, and let's not. So. And, and as Jeff said, MacArthur Park is a goddamn epic. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, no matter if, which version you listen to, yeah, if you don't know what MacArthur Park is, that's the "Someone Let the Cake Out in the Rain" song. Yeah. All right. And if that doesn't wake it up, just go to YouTube and type that phrase in, and you'll hear it. Yeah. Yeah. There's the Richard Harris version and the uh, uh, Donna Summer version, right? Wow. Yeah. Ooh. And then the Weird Al parody of Jurassic Park. Yeah. Oh, there so, you go. Yes. That's pretty good. I love that goddamn parody. It's great. It's so spot on all the way through. Yeah. yeah. Just well, just as Weird Leonard Al Leonard Nimoy is. didn't do a version. William Shatner. Uh, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, it seems like something. <laughs> Probably, I think yeah. Shatner did it later. Uh, well, well, of course. Like not not his early stuff. I think it's something when he kind of embraced his. Uh, oh, his, his goofiness. His, his inner Shatner. Is outer Shatner? That's 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 what my brain is telling me. Although I have to say, Richard Harris, yeah, in, in MacArthur Park, there is no larger emoting in any song ever than the Someone chorus of that. Someone left the cake out in the rain. When when he is upset that it took so long to bake, you feel that it, he's very upset that it took so long to bake. <laughs> All right, let's see. Covered by numerous artists, including a hit version in 1969 by country music singer Waylon Jennings. What? And Donna Summer's disco arrangement in 1978. Waylon Jennings? That's what it says. Country music version, 1969. (laughs) Todd has discovered something. I think it's our closing theme or our opening theme. Uh, Let's see if there's a full list of people that have covered it. Uh, Wow. You're learning this here on the Ugly Couch show, uh, Geek Shock. Uh, yeah, it's always a learning experience. Well, that's true. We have something to something, has been something. called the worst song ever written. <laughs> it's flowery lyrics and metaphors, notoriously liking lost love to a cake left out in the rain, have been described as bloated and loopy. <laughs> okay, it's worse than Friday. That's, that's I what I mean. You, that's that's some awfully strong language. <laughs> Worst song ever. Well, you know, that's probably from the half in the bag guys. I mean, r- right away, I'm thinking tip throat, tiptoe through the tulips, and that's already <laughs> already won it for worst but song. That's a catchy the, tune. It's catchy and it's horrible. Well, yeah. But so is MacArthur Park. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. what, what Anything, are, Jeff? What's up? Anything you? Oh, uh, uh, I'm, I'm still scrolling fell through down the, the different rabbit versions. Hole. But no. you know what? I would rather listen to tiptoe. There's through a the long tulips. list of stuff about the actual song, but I, I would rather listen to tiptoe through the tulips, uh, back to oh, back with Ma- back to back with MacArthur Park, uh, than listen to uh, Palisades Park. Right. I wow. still hate Palisades, Palisades Park, Park. more any song. Wow. Uh, see other versions. The Four Tops. Huh? Andy what? Williams. Andy Williams, I can certainly believe. Yeah, well, Andy Williams That's not a has covered a lot of yeah. stuff. 
Uh, well, shoot, there's not any more listed here. Yeah. It just says it's been covered by a number of artists. Then Shatner, Shatner uh, has not done. Wow. Yeah, you would think that he would. Ra- I mean, four tops are mentioned. Andy Williams. Yeah. Then they should mention Shatner. Yeah. If 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 Nimoy can do the Ballad of Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> Bilbo. <laughs> Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> Only then three Bilbo. feet tall. Then Shatner can Bilbo. grab. Shatner can grab himself some cake. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> wow.